All right, guys, welcome to the Drive and Protect podcast. I want to give a huge shout out to Magnaflow for their booth and their stage. And we're in front of everyone here at SEMA. And uh, this is a, a big deal. So thank you to Magnaflow. So 2017 SEMA, of course, I have my team here, the best detailers in the world. And Dylan. I knew um, it was coming. And I, <laughs> <laughs> I, wow. If you hadn't said it, I was wow. going to. The harshness begins right so, off the top. I have never actually detailed a car. It's all Photoshop. All Photoshop, <laughs> yeah. That's, most of them are, aren't they? I mean, <laughs> so let me do a quick intro. We have all the way to my left, Derek Bemis, the man. Good morning, everybody. McGuire's Ford, very, very famous detailer. We're happy to have him. To his right, Michael Stoops, McGuire's as well. What's happening, buddy? Good to see you. Good to see you. Jason Rose to his right, Rupes. Rupes. And then myself, of course, then Dylan on my right. Thank you. Rupes. And the man, the myth, the legend, Kevin Brown. And, and, and a race car right now. Can you hear that in the mic? Yeah. yeah. We're across the way from Borla. We love Borla as well, so they don't kill us, but there's a... There's a race car There's a race car speaker blasting in us. So. Right in my ears, there's a race car. Yes. So anyways, 2017, SEMA going relatively well. I would say um, probably a little less attendance than normal, do you think? Yes, no? Tuesday and today, see, but yesterday was was like insane. Was busy. it? Oh my God! It was when crazy. I saw you the other day, though, uh, what was that? The first day I was here. Tuesday, it's yeah. a little light. It was. It was a little. Yesterday was was just beyond belief. Yeah, it was nuts. I think yeah. so. Ford it, booth is on fire. Is it really? Oh, yeah. I, you know what? People I'm obsessed with their trucks. Do to call 911 right here? I mean, trucks are awesome. The trucks. The I feel way. like the paint on these cars are starting to move towards. Back in the day, you remember when Audi had their um, non-metallic paints? They first came out like on oh, the 87s. Yeah. I was like, oh my god! It was like the most amazing thing. I feel like they're everywhere now. Now they're in the Ford. The yeah, Ford like trucks. The, uh, that that one that's right over here. The it's like a gray, gray one. Yeah, cement gray. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. stunning. I'm like, oh my god! I may be a truck guy now. This thing is beautiful. Alcantara stitching the whole thing inside. It's great. Yeah. Anyways. All right, so um, I posed a bunch of questions online, and we have a, a ton of questions from people. So we're going to do our uh, panel of shooting down uh, Instagram questions. And <laughs> it's like, right. no, no, rolling up the newspaper and smacking people in the nose. Um, <laughs> so I'll start it off, and then, uh, like everything else, our, uh, our podcast take a wild left turn, and we go down these random things. So uh, the first question from uh, Eric is, how would you present yourself as a detailer for a dealership like a Ferrari or something similar high-end instead of a used car lot. So I think his question is basically saying, hey, do I need to present myself differently for something that's considered a fancy car versus turn and burn kind of, uh, you know, type of style there. So I I have an opinion on that. I think you should definitely wear clothes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Take a shower the night before. (laughs) Definitely, definitely. Comb your hair. Anything anything Jason does is clothing optional currently. (laughs) (laughs) No, absolutely. I mean, you don't you don't go to a nice steakhouse and you know wear your old ratty tank top and a pair of flip flops. In the business world, it's even more so that way. You don't show up somewhere trying to. Pre- you should always look professional, obviously. Right. I'm not talking clothing, but your presentation, the way you speak, the the angle you're going to take to get in there might be slightly different. They're selling six figure cars versus a used car lot selling four figure cars, but your your overall presentation should be professional regardless of. That was that was gonna be my point too. Like, does it really matter? Like, if yeah, it doesn't matter if it's you know Toyota, Hyundai, 
you know, Ferrari, whatever. Yeah, matter. it's not like you're going to put on a suit to go to the Ferrari place. To well, kind of, no, you know but, what I mean? Like, what does that mean? But I think you also have to prepare yourself that even though you may be walking into a very high-end dealership, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be willing to pay you $500 per car. I, I actually think the opposite, quite frankly. When you go to the high-end places, it's yeah, like... Yeah, they're like, uh, yeah, 40, $45. Right. Well, $90. Yeah, but bucks. but yeah. They're, they're ultimately <laughs> still trying to make every penny of profit they Absolutely. can on every car they sell. And if they're going to pay yeah. you five to 700 bucks to prep it, that's five to 700 bucks per car that they're not getting in their own pocket. Right, right. So don't, don't expect that you're going to be getting, you know, you're going to be making just insane money because you're prepping Ferraris for a dealership. I think to some degree, I believe that the paint on a Ferrari is basically the same in philosophy as a Honda Civic. Yeah, okay, maybe the mistake that you may make on a Ferrari is going to be a little bit more expensive. Well, of course it is. Probably because yeah. it's a Ferrari, but at least in my mentality, I don't really, a Pagani versus a Honda, I'm doing the same kind of philosophy, the same thing. I'm treating it the same. It's not like, no, you're, well, you're it's, a, it's a shape. I mean, it's all paint. You're dealing on yeah. paint. It's just it's on a different body. It's on a different body. Right. And, yeah. and as, as long as you're using best practices, I know a few years ago when we had the Prince of Persia Bugatti in the Maguire's booth, and yes. you, you, Derek, and I, um, Derek, you, you and I you had, had the great good fortune to prep that car in the vault of the Peterson Museum. Right. I mean, people asking, well, I mean, God, that's like a $15 million car. How, how do you do that without, like, you, you keep the buffer off because you're shaking so much? Cause you're like, no, it's paint. It's just paint. Right. Think about it. I think about it, like, surgery-wise. You think like a famous person, like a surgeon, right? And a famous person comes in versus yeah. like the Joe Schmo. You're like, oh my God, I don't want to do surgery on some baseball player or whatever. Like the guy, he's a doctor. He's it's a one. It's a body. He's a body. Yeah. A body's yeah. a body. Yeah. Yeah. Your, your tendons are the same as my tendons. Yeah, right. Well, I'm older than you. A little, so little shinier. Yours have a little more wear on them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yours might be a little thinner. But, but yeah. the, the other comment I would make is just know your customer. So a car dealership is a different type of customer. So. As you're presenting your programs, I think you really ought to know the wants and needs of that type customer and present those. Yeah. You know, I, actually, I think that's probably the best answer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and like anything else in business, you yeah. give the person what they want. If it's a right. dealership, if it's a high end, yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, I'm going with that one. I like yeah. that. One. But you, you, need, you need to be able to prove to that dealership that that you're actually. I don't want to say worthy of working on those cars, right. but that you understand what it is that you're getting into, and you don't. You're not just doing it for the glory, right. right? That you're going in there and you're showing that you have the capabilities and the abilities to not only do the job but actually respect what the car is. And because, I mean, especially something with a Ferrari with the mystique that they have, you you better be able to come in and prove that you can do the job on those cars more so well, than you can. You're actually, kind of just freshening things up, right? You're, you're adding value there. to that car. Yeah. I mean, uh, there that's, you go. That's the bottom exactly line is exactly. you're you're. Doesn't matter if it's, it's it's all percentages, right? They're trying right. to increase the percentage of their return on that investment. So if it's you know, ten percent return on a you know, used car, ten percent return on a La Ferrari, it's still yeah, that's pretty good. They they need to see that return on investment. Actually, yeah. that that's even yeah. yeah. Like well, how are you going to make more money for that person, whether it's a dealership or you know, in this but case, if you think if you think of the needs that a car dealership wants, I mean they. They want the car done fast. Right. right. They want to know that it isn't going to get banged up or damaged. They want to know, to your point, Mike, that you have the capability to work on cars like this. And they want it at a reasonable price. So I think you just got to present those. Say, hey, I can do this car. I, I can handle the the asset I can handle your asset which is your inventory. keep your hands off my assets <laughs> here we go again you know I, I, I think and the I wheels think we, fell off yeah I think I think we killed that one all right I, I have a, a question I'd like to get a little weigh in of hello Chad uh, I'd love to get a um, uh, Kevin to weigh in here but where is the difference between let's say philosophy wise or um, 
methodology-wise from the UK versus US detailing? Is there a difference? Is there not a difference in terms of their polishing? I was chatting with Kevin a little bit about, um, you know, uh, like, long, what did you say, long-form polishing? I can't, I can't think of it right now. It's been a long, 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 long cycle. Long cycle, yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very early for me. Uh, long cycle versus short cycle. So do you guys have a, an idea of, hey, in the UK, they tend to do this more often. But in the, in the US, we do more of this. And I don't know one, if one is right or wrong, if the paints are different. I know you do a lot of, Jason, do a yeah. lot of uh, international traveling and that sort of thing. And you can see in some countries. But I know Kevin had some, some interesting thoughts on long versus short polishing and the benefits of that. For me, Photoshop works the same regardless of where I'm at. So. <laughs> Any country he's in, I can <laughs> Photoshop the hell out of it. <laughs> He doesn't okay. even go to different countries. Yeah. He photoshops that. I had a philosophy on the Tilt last that up a little bit. I had a philosophy on the last question. Yeah. Give me an example of a state-of-the-art car that you know a lot about. What's your, what's your dream car right now? Uh, I do a lot of Pagani Huayras, if that means okay. anything. So you would know the color, how many were made, how much it's worth. Right. Now you go into that dealership and you know those things. And you have your little bag there and say, right. oh, is this a Pagani so-and-so, one of 13 made? Do you mind if I, hate to ask this, but do you mind if I pull out my meter and measure this paint? Because I've got a customer that's got one on order, and I need to know what this paint is. Is it consistent? Is it that? Right. And I've, you say, you know, I thought this color was a little more brilliant than this, but this one has some hazing. Do you mind if I pull out my nano and do a small section and we can see what it really looks like? I'm hoping you guys get the subtlety of what he's saying, the people listening. Uh, yes. the, man, that is really loud. The subtlety of what Kevin is saying. Like when you walk in, if you, if you address it like that, it kind of like it's, I don't want to say it's old news, but like I've been there, done that. Not like take your You're, phone out and do a selfie with the car. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. Like, well, the odds are if you come in and do that, you might actually know more about the car than the guy's selling it. I, I, mean, I can almost honest, guarantee right? that so, with any sales. Yeah. But if you know the name, like that's... He that's comes in late and just kind of. Well, it, he's a sniper. He's a sniper. He <laughs> comes in, waits for all of us to kind of get all these horrible answers that we gave, and he comes in, snipes out. He's like, "All right, I'll see you guys." Hey, dummies, let me answer that question better than you did. No, it's that you would be, you'd qualify yourself as an expert on that car. So the car, yeah, yeah, the trust would be there almost instantaneously. Oh my God, this guy! I didn't know that was what that color was called. It's you know. I feel like you need to been there, done that kind of thing, and sort of have that aura. But if you do the actions that, it, that Kevin's saying and put meters and stuff on it, like, it's as good as done at that point. The guy's going to be like, oh, crap, he's, he's, this guy's really good. Sold. Yeah. Well, Jason, you always said that's one of the greatest sales tools was the meter. It differentiates yeah. you from the guy down the street. If you pull out a meter and you have a clipboard and you're writing down numbers, like, yeah. wow, the other guys didn't do this. What are you doing? Yeah. I think a glossometer is, I think 99% of the glossometer usage is kind of like, you're not even looking at it, you're just looking at everyone else. You know, <laughs> no one can see me right now, but I'm Anybody want to ask me what this is real yeah. quickly? So wow, that's a really not it. shiny paint here. If you hired me, I'd fix that for you. So yeah, I think that's uh, going back to the that's first great, question. That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a broken gloss meter that I could take it. Yeah, just, just yeah, make, it, make it make yeah. noises or just like whistle in the background. <laughs> <laughs> We're teaching everybody wow. the good stuff. Yeah, this, yeah. <laughs> so on to the, um, so thank you, Kevin, for hopping in there and clearing that up. But yeah, what about, is there a difference? And this is actually uh, not a question um, somebody posed on Instagram or whatever, but it's more, uh, from my understanding, is there a huge difference? I know there's, a, I'm basically, here's the background. I'm reading one of these new magazines that I got um, from the UK. And it's actually, it's actually really, really good. There's a ton of information in it, but I'm seeing like these little patterns come out that it's like, wow, yeah. it's kind of different over there. And I don't know, like, 
I haven't really traveled there and, and, and studied with these guys, and I know that you guys are more international than I am, so how would you re respond Well, I can, I can tell you that having traveled around different countries, there are similarities and differences in detailing, and one of the biggest similarities is that the, the passion for detailing exists anywhere in the world. True. And yeah. the disease is exists everywhere. Right. <laughs> and you know what I mean? The disease yeah, yeah, yeah. that... The itis. The, yeah, the detailer that's trying to get 100% correction on every single car, that disease it exists everywhere. But yeah, when it comes to buffing cycles, there are trends, and there's some countries that prefer to long cycle. There are some that like to buff a few passes and then have the surface actually buff dry so the compound goes away. And then there's some that are short cycle. They actually counting passes and, you know, you go one, two, three, four and stop no matter what. But what's the reason behind that? Is it a different is it a different painting process over there or is it different formulas? Like diminishing abrasives versus non-diminishing abrasives no, or solvent that, paints versus not solvent paints? No, all, that, all those compound vari variances, they exist everywhere in the world as well. So that, those choices of long cycle, short, Diminishing okay. non, those exist. So everywhere. pull that factor out. Now, would you say the painting, like the laws of painting in Europe, are different than here? Exactly Is that... right. So Absolutely. in different countries, the uh, paint prep and the quality of the paint application and even the quality of the paint materials, they vary from country to country. So a lot of our detailing, sanding, and buffing practices that we do, mm -hmm. they are born out of what's been done in a body shop for the last 20 years. So can we make a definitive thing saying, I know you can never make a definitive answer, but can you say something like, in the UK, they typically long cycle. In the US, they don't. And I want to hear more about what you were saying, diminishing braces. We talked about that a little bit. Like, yeah, I, I think people need to, we need to kind of masticate a little bit on that and kind of go back and forth and, and spar a little bit to figure out, hey, how to, like, the, the more that we have these conversations that are a little bit difficult, I think people go like, oh, I see his point. No, wait a second, the questions. So anyways, I know, Kevin, we talked about it yesterday, and I was, I got it, but I kind of didn't get it. Like, well, what do you mean? The first thing is, in our industry, we set ourselves up by, by need to retain the debris we cut away. It's in a lotion. It's in a compound. It's in a polish. Where every other manufacturer tries to wash that away, filter out the debris, and continue to, you know, CNC machines, aluminum cutting, using a saw. You'd never take lotion on a saw or grease and say, okay, I'm going to hack saw through this, right? So we already have one strike against us in that our technique already puts us at a disadvantage. As we cut away paint, it reta we're, it's retained. We're not removing it from the surface right. as, as we go. So right. let me give an example, and let, let, so for, uh, like to further... So like when a saw is cutting like a big piece of steel, there's always like that jet thing that's shooting in water or liquid, whatever, lube or something. And whenever that piece of steel is being cut off by the one chip, you know, the one tooth of uh, the, the saw, it basically blasts away that residue. Is that what you're saying? Right. Or when they're doing wood, they're vacuuming it away constantly. Right. Or okay. tile, you know, you're spraying right. water, cutting mm -hmm. tile. Okay. So those are all the examples of everything that's getting cut. Now with paint, we're not really doing that is what you're saying. Right. It's integrating into our buffing liquid. Right. And it's getting, it's becoming stationary on our path. It's contamination. Right. And so what's the, so why would the UK do a long cycle versus... Okay. But then back to the abrasive, the assumption is the abrasive is going to have to need time to break down, to roll around, to crush, to fall apart. But I'm saying, well, what if the paint, it cut initially and then it buried the abrasive. Now it's locked down and it can't diminish. 
the paint or the, the, the paint abraded residue, material? The abraded material right. encompasses the abrasive grain that's supposed to diminish, and now it can't. Oh, I get what you're saying. So, that, so it's, it's messing yeah. up the diminishing abrasive. It's right. protecting the abrasive. Right, it's, it's becoming a buffer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you can cycle for days, and it's still going to have the same result in that theory, right? Yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a bad, it's a bad thought process, I think, that if you look at it in a different manner in terms of what's happening to my abrasive, will it have time to break down? Is it stuck in the pad and it comes out at the last 10 seconds of my cycle and it scours a perfectly polished surface? You know, there's lots of variables to think about when you say, well, I think that diminishing abrasive can give a better finish than a non-diminishing. There's a lot of assumption there. Thinking right now. Not only that, but if I have a company and I said, "Well, you know, hey, abrasive guy, what what are my options for abrasive? Well, here's the finest one we make, and here's the most aggressive we make." And I said, "Okay, well, I'm going to go ahead and take you the finest one you make, and make the world's best polish. I want to clump it together so that it can diminish back to its normal size." Versus, I say, "Well, I'm just going to take the grains and hopefully they'll stay apart." Do you follow what I'm saying? You're assuming that the non-diminished abrasive does not have the same ability to buy this. The, the very fine, refined abrasive that the, the, diminishing, the, the diminishing abrasive guy has. Jason Rose is one of the first guys to, to work on products like that. Yeah, we I have, mean, non-diminishing, I think, is is been in the last, what, 10, 10 years, just really rocked our world when it comes to compounds. And it, it requires a mentality of short cycle. The less yeah. passes, the better, because as you start to buff, the liquid's the best it's going to be. The pads are the best they're going to be. From the, the paint, beginning. The paint is as stable it's going to be. You start twisting and pushing with force and friction on paint, it expands, it heats up, it changes its shape. Your pads aren't as clean, your liquid's not as clean, everything's worse. So yeah. to me, non-diminishing short cycle is ideal. You've got to learn how to master that fast or use a multitude of pads and, and get a system. Yeah, the concept is, you know, get in there, remove the defect, get out. Yeah. Move to the next area. Forget about how many steps. You yeah. could have seven if you have seven pads and it takes half the time as two steps. In the old mentality of thinking, like, hey, I'm going to sell this guy a three step buff out. Like, that's insignificant. How much time are you going to spend? Right, right. Uh, that's making me think right now because I saw another company running around uh, uh, in, in uh, whatever it is, North Hall, in the detailing section where. Their philosophy, I'm not going to mention the name because I can't decide if this is good or bad yet, so I guess we'll find out. So I'm not going to mention their name, but there's a philosophy where you can, uh, their goal is not to be uh, ceramic coating or not. We can get into that whole thing. I know you guys are like, oh, ceramic coatings, we'll talk about that later. Um, after I wash my mouth out or something. <laughs> I'm so sick of talking about ceramic coating. Um, their philosophy is to actually put another layer of clear coat on, but do it by hand. I'm sure we all know who it is or whatever, but. And I said, well, what's the purpose of this? Is this competing with a ceramic kind of thing, putting it on this clear coat by hand? But to your point, they said, uh, I'm not sure this is on the same topic here, but their point, their point was we can minimize the amount of steps and cycles by just doing one cut with a wool pad. And when you're done with the wool pad, you put this stuff on there. And their idea was, hey, we're going to bring the paint down X amount of microns or mils or whatever, and then build it back up. And then the next time it happens, we're going to cut it down and build it back up. And so their business angle was to minimize how many times the detailer goes to the you know one step with you know 100 m100 and then the two step with 205 and then the you know refining whatever mm. and so hey if we can cut out one or two of those steps it's just cut and then put this stuff on mm. and so i see that they're trying to minimize um how many steps they're doing and so i guess what i'm thinking is would, would 
so is there a difference between the like I'm trying to decide if, if one's good or bad, but then I'm thinking to myself, okay, it doesn't really long, work that way. Long, long cycle, long cycle versus short. not. Well, I think they're just different approaches, and uh, the key though is the type of abrasive uh, will dictate peak performance in terms of cycling. So, yeah, but uh, to Kevin's point, if you have a non-diminishing abrasive, it the, it functions better if you don't long cycle it. Right. Right. I mean, you get in, you do the thing, and you and you stop. You know, and you basically stop. clean the pad off and then go again and, then and, start, go again. and try to bring it back to the way it was in the, you know, when you first started. Beginning, yeah. But now getting to your um, original question and um, you know, training like Michael Stoops does this as well where you visit different countries and our buffing practices are born out of what's going on in the body shop. You know, detailers have through uh, the tribal knowledge they've learned how to do stuff from Trickles the down. body shop. But Sanding will dictate buffing practices as well. So there are some countries where in the body shop they do not do full panel sanding. So I want you to imagine if you have a sanding mark on a full panel, like a whole hood or a whole fender, the type of buffing you need to do on a sanding mark on an entire panel is different than if all you had was a dirt nib. And your sanding mark is literally the size of a quarter, right? A small defect. So if you imagine the buffing and the pad and the buffing cycle, the technique that's needed to remove a defect that's contained to a one inch diameter versus buffing the whole panel, you're gonna do it differently. So, and that's the point I'm making is some countries as a matter of practice, they either buff full, or sorry, so they sand full panels or they do Just dirt spot correct. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. So spot correction is one way, and buffing the whole panel is another. So. But you can But I guess when I'm, I'm trying to like pin things into a bucket here, I'm not sure it exists. But I'm, I'm playing this sort of jousting game here with myself to figure out if there is. So is the UK because, if the, are they doing the long cycle because their painting process is different than the than the US? Like I'm trying to say, like, is it okay that they do that, or am I saying like, no, that's bad, they shouldn't do that? You get what I'm saying? I'm trying a, to a, lot, a lot of this though, if all, if the only thing that you're looking at is long cycle versus short cycle, right? The whole process is so much more complex. There's so many more moving parts than just how long the cycle is. What are they cycling differently because the pads they're using are different? Are they cycling differently because the paint they're working on is different? Is it because they're comp? There's a lot of different moving parts that all come together to determine why you do something a certain way. And to, to an outside observer, the only thing you're seeing is how long they're cycling. You don't see the rest of the components that may be dictating why they choose to do that. Let me ask you another, let me ask a question a different way. Yeah. Is there any time that long cycling would be a, a good thing to do? Anytime you're like, you know what, we should have long cycled this. Not in my opinion, that's what's what available today. Okay, that's what I was kind of beating around the bush. Well, I, couldn't, I couldn't decide. And there's another way to answer that. Now I know where you're you going. See, I was trying to like pin a little bit down. So if you think about this, professional detailing, we are being paid to do a service. We're, we're doing a service on a car. And long cycling means more passes. Correct. Okay. So in my mind, the way I'm thinking is more passes means more time on the car. If I can get that job done with less passes, that's less time on the car. I think so, that's a benefit, but I'm, I'm going back to Kevin's point where he's saying, okay, that's cool. That's like one of the benefits you get of doing the right thing. But even if it wasn't the right thing and it took, I mean, even if it took longer, it's still 
not you still got to do it anyways. You get what I'm saying? So are you, is that your argument that like long poly, long um, cycling is just kind of useless now? Is that what you're saying? Uh, I'm trying to with, pin you down with a the bit. technology that I'm using and the philosophy that I'm using. Yes, and again. How do you know if you didn't get it perfect on the second or third pass if you're doing 12 passes every time? So I think a single pass approach on any particular vehicle is yeah. ideal. You have a panel, you do a test, but what we all have recommended, a left to right pass. You wipe the panel clean. You don't wait for it to dry up or clear up. You just wipe the panel clean and you adjust your compound. You learn, hey, well, this stuff really stuck to my pad fast. I'll use a little more the next time. But you do single one-way passes, check each pass. And you might find out, wow, this looks great yeah. on my and on your third, third pass. pass. Yeah, but I've been doing seven passes and blowing right past that because it's oily. I can't see through it. I didn't even know. Right. Yeah. Right. That's exactly the we, point right there. We have, yeah. a, we have a, a, a slide that we use in a lot of presentations that, that talks about buffing cycle versus abrasive cycle. And it compares when you're using a diminishing abrasive to a non-diminishing abrasive. Okay. A diminishing abrasive, generally you have a, and the buffing cycle is that amount of time that you spend working the, the compound and the, the, you know, the, the liquid in the pad over the paint until you stop. There's right. some visual cue that tells you it's time to stop. Right. So that's your buffing cycle. Okay. On podcasts, it's a little tricky to do this because I can't draw it out for people, but um, the abrasive cycle is then the amount of time that the, brace, the abrasives themselves are actually viable. Right. So you have a diminishing abrasive and it breaks down and it gets to a point where it's really not doing anything anymore. Okay, if you short cycle that, you're not breaking it down and having it do its entire run of, of, of gamut of what right. it can do. And to Kevin's point, if you're used to using something like that that needs to be longer cycled, and then you start using a non-diminishing abrasive, you have this muscle memory where you're used to cycling for a very long time, and what happens is you you know, if you look at a vertical scale from one to ten, and you're trying to get the paint to a ten, and it takes ten passes with a diminishing to get it there, it may only take three passes with a non-diminishing. But you're used to doing ten, so you've taken it up to a ten, and now it drops back down to a seven because you're starting to add all this paint residue in, and now you're scouring the paint. My, I guess my argument is, why are we using diminishing abrasives? Well, think about it this way too. That's, I'm, I'm so, not trying to kill any sales or whatever. There, there is a there is a good purpose for it. Oh, it, okay, cool. Tell me what what is yeah, it? Cool. I saw, totally see a place for non or uh, for diminishing. So, the type of technician, brand new, doesn't have a skill set. You throw that kind of product to them. Uh, that abrasive is going to diminish in what a few passes. Mm -hmm. And whether they short cycle or long cycle, the chances of them doing damage are a lot less. So okay. in that it's a safer product to use in that. It's is that what we're saying? You're, you're a, a, di a, diminishing, a diminishing abrasive is a safer product to use for a beginner. For a beginner that doesn't have the skills yet. I don't know if I buy that. Yeah. I do. I totally yeah, Kevin, Kevin's shaking I, his head. This is great. This Kevin's is, shaking his head. No, this, this is what Larry wants. This, this is, is exactly what, what I want. <laughs> okay. Well, now we're getting into it. Go, Kevin. No, I'm just, <laughs> just going to focus back on... You have a microfiber disc. Use a diminishing abrasive. The microfiber is exceptionally good at grabbing and holding on. It now grabs and holds that in place. Is it going to break down? Probably not. So meaning it thus defeating the diminishing purpose. I'm saying uh, in this case on a microfiber disc, it would probably be a bad idea to use a diminishing abrasive. Right, because it encapsulates, so you're basically defeating it, the purpose of the diminishing abrasive. Yeah, because it can't, diminish. And, and it can't of, diminish. Thank you. Think about a diminishing abrasive. One of the reasons it needs to be long cycle. Take ball bearings. Let's say we had a bunch of ball bearings, and we want to 
gather them together, group them together, use some grease, some thick stuff to group them together to the size of a tennis ball. Now, you put a pad against that and you turn that on. Would the ball bearings fit and stick in the pad better or would the tennis ball? The tennis ball's not going to stick in place. It's going to roll around a lot better. It's too big. It's, you know, it's, you, know you follow what I'm saying? It can't, it can't sink into the pad and stay in place. At some point, it start, will start to. And people say, oh, that's when the brace is breaking down. When you can see through it, you know they're fully diminished. And I'm saying, well, that's not necessarily true. That's when they stuck to the pad and they're not on the surface anymore. But you follow the size dictates how well it can stick to the pad. I follow you. Yeah. I see what you're saying. So it, My brain is driven. A, a, dimi a diminishing <laughs> abrasive sort of requires it for a multitude of reasons. So... I'm going to be, I'm sure I'm going to get punched after this, but that's okay. It's just a different thought process. This All right, is so, not so you're saying that diminishing abrasive is, is something that we should use as a beginner and learning the cycles, blah, blah, blah. Kevin is saying, hey, maybe we need to rethink that. Is that fair? And we can uh, agree to not Yeah, and I think there's a, a, a valid reasoning to have both. Uh, cost. Yeah, I'm cost. Sure you Ken, sure Kevin, do you, do you think that a diminishing abrasive is a better fit for a foam pad and a non-diminishing is better fit for a microfiber pad? No. I'm okay. still a big fan of non-diminishing. I think that uh, yeah, if I, you short I cycle, too. I am too. you short cycle, you keep your pad clean, you're not going to beat it. Not, not with today's technology. If well, you're purely results focused, that's going to be, if there, you understand it, that's Again, until we can control the paint residue and and eliminate the assumption that some of that paint residue is going to encompass the abrasive grain and not allow it to break down. Mm -hmm. Until you can, you know for a fact I can get rid of the paint residue, then you, you're assuming there's always going to be each abrasive grain is going to actually break down. Yeah, right? so I think the, the underlying theme here is the residue. It's all about residue. It is. Oh, like everything has been residue oh, control. Sure. So if you have residue, which it seems like every paint job has some sort of residue, more or less, or somewhere mm -hmm. in between, when you have that residue, I'm trying to, I'm trying to make sure that I understand it so that I can say it a different way to people listening because this is actually relatively complicated I'm kind of keeping up with you guys. So if you have uh, residue, the residue is now going to collect on either that diminishing or non-diminishing abrasive but in this example we're going to go with a diminishing abrasive. Once that residue wraps around the diminishing abrasive it at that point renders that diminishing abrasive doing nothing. It, do, it doesn't allow yeah. it to diminish because right. well, you have this code on there. I don't know if I buy that. It still will diminish. But that's your argument, right? That is it's Kevin's going argument. to affect your outcome. It may diminish Understood. more slowly. Either your time I'm not saying it's like finish. it's not going to finish. Work. It will or, affect your finish. Or, or your cutting speed because you can yeah. even watch with any abrasive and you could be polishing and then notice, wow, it's not cutting anymore. That's when you stop, clean the pad, reapply, and go again. It's like, wow, that's like wildfire again. Look, look you're, you're, you're selecting the pad and the liquid abrasive to do the task at hand, okay? And we know what the abrasive characteristic is of any given pad because we engineered the darn thing. We know what the abrasive characteristic is of any compound or polish because we engineered the darn thing. The paint residue that you're collecting on the pad that, that's it right is, there. is a complete unknown. That's it. It, it, it comes off at different, different rates from different paints and then depending on what pad you're using determines how much of that you're going to retain and how much liquid you have. To your point, it gets mixed into this lotion, and now you have this unknown abrasive that is just yeah. messing yeah. with you. Yeah, it's, it's the mystery abrasive, right? Even on the same paint. from panel yeah. to panel. It so now, 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 you're, now you're... What did you what did you say? From panel to panel, you could have a different rate of material removal. It seems it's like it all bad. boils down to the residue. It is. It's it literally all the residue. If you can remove is. the residue at that point, it seems like a diminishing abrasive is fine, a non-diminishing yes. abrasive is mm -hmm. fine, as long as you remove that outside factor 
on there. Is that at least, can we at least agree on that? Oh, yeah. and oh, that's sure. my philosophy, at least. That's Kevin's raison d'etre. I would yeah, think at least at that point, you'll get a true read of what the abrasive's doing, whether it's diminishing or not. Yeah, you're, right? you're kind sure. of just pulling the sure. blinders off. You, you know, you're pulling this weird factor out and seeing what's really going yeah. on. One of my biggest go-tos when yeah. I'm trying to show someone what's going on is read the paint. And, and you guys just, just explained exactly what mm -hmm. that means. You gotta read the paint, panel to panel, section yeah. to section. Yeah. If, you gotta be consistent with what you're doing because all of these things are going on, no matter if it's short cycle, long cycle, diminishing abrasive or not, it all comes together, right? Yeah, and yeah. even in product testing with Jason, I'd say, hey, I can't test this the way we need to. All my panels are fresh paint. I need dead oxidized paint. I think I'll yeah, polish the mini storage. <laughs> 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 and I have, and it's like, oh, okay, that's better. Some good looking doors out yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> the doors at Buff Daddy World Headquarters are so yeah. shiny. Do you think, do you think I, I think we had a great debate on that. Do you think we summarized something for the guy who's listening, driving the car right now, going like, holy crap, that was a lot of information. Like, cool, but what's the bottom line on this? Would well, we, I don't think there's a short answer to that one. You don't no, think so? I, there's I too think much if information. You're, yeah, I think if you're a fan of a particular brand and it happens to be diminishing or non, you're going to continue that way. But hopefully you'll think of it, the polishing, the philosophy, a little differently now. Right. Yeah. Remove as much residue from that equation as humanly possible. We can agree to that, right? Yeah, if oh, you, if, if you well, were long cycling five minutes, maybe you'll do it to two or one and just see, see the result <coughs> at a fifth of the time versus guaranteeing I'm going to start out slow, I'm going to use the pyramid and go to a higher speed and then go slow again. And there's reasons that will help your polishing, but do you understand what you're doing or is that what you've been taught That's because exactly you've locally right. been taught the, the that The question way. is, do you really understand what's going on? And can I make one more comment yep, about this? So long, long cycling is definitely a preference in our business. There are people who really believe in a long working time. Mm -hmm. And oh, yes. it's, it's represented by the sales of products that are that type where they're long cycling. So, but you brought up the perfect phrase, which is, do you really understand what's going on? When you're long cycling something, do you really understand what you're doing? Because, and to your earlier point, Kevin, um, when you short cycle something, uh, you, you can know right away, you either got the defect out and you have the finish that you, it, you want, and you did it in like four passes, or you didn't, right? right? Mm -hmm. You know in four passes, you either got it or you didn't. But if you do 10, 12, 15 passes, you don't know if the job got done on the third pass. And to me, it, I just, I, as a technician and a guy that travels around the world, I don't personally understand the benefits of long cycling. I don't. I don't understand well, it's, it. It's Is it something that's handed reason. down from generation to generation? Maybe they just haven't had. The, yeah, I, th I think the knowledge. No, I, yeah. I actually think it's a. Uh, I call it like the robot or the magic pill yeah. kind of. But you basically I mean. go like, it's ten. We have to do ten of this. Well, that's and that, why and this, and they don't look at the paint. This is the reason, and people that know me are like, yeah, shut up about it. This is not. <laughs> Damn it, Kevin. We love up. you, man. But I, I can do that real quick, quiet. by the way. I can just yeah. pull this little lever here. Paint polishing is not an art. It's a craft. It, it's, it's not subjective. It's perfect or it's not. Plumbing, you never say, man, that plumber, what an artist. 
Hey, the pipes are leaking, or they're not leaking. That's great. It's a craft. That is awesome. I love that. It's a craft. But when you say it's an art, then you assume this is like black magic. I have to have this handed to me. This this guru showed me, and now I'm showing you. I'm going to pay you $8 million this weekend and show me how to do your craft. To me, it diminishes the fact that this is a craft that you have to have spend time to learn. And, And if you are handed down, hey, well, I was taught by my guy, and he did it for 30 years, and now I'm teaching you. It's a localized trade, yes, it, it, especially it, like definitely. you said, England. You said things are, you know, UK. Yeah, it's, yeah. That is a carriage industry country. They're craftsmen all over that place. Right. It's a craftsman mentality. When they build a car, you'd have 20 craftsmen doing the, the panel shaping, the, the leather work. The, yeah. You know, I think it's, and Jason Rose taught us that. You learn because it's a local thing, right? It, it, it's a tribe. Tribal, tribal knowledge. A tribal knowledge. Yeah. Some, to some degree, I think also it, it, maybe not for everybody, but some of it is the, it's almost the, the love mark thing. The guy who has, it kind of obsessively wipes his car down even when it's not necessary. Ah, I got to put another thing, spray wax on it. Once they get to the ability to polish a car, the feeling that they're doing something, right? The, 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 the feeling of buffing for longer. It's kind of like sweeping the yeah. same area like twice. It's like... Right. It's clean now. Why do you keep sweeping it? <laughs> Jason, Jason yeah. made the point that, that different parts of the world have different philosophies about this stuff, and they've been doing things. It, it's, it kind of grows out of the body shop environment. But even in body shops in different parts of the world, they do things a little differently. And this whole long cycle versus short cycle and, and uh, residue management even becomes a bigger issue when you're getting into your final finishing polish step. Because then, then you're really struggling with the quality of finish you're getting, not just whether or not you're removing the defects. And specifically when I was in um, Indonesia this past summer, one of the things that the guys were really struggling with was being able to get haze-free, even with a rotary. They're using those, those vertical rotaries. And they were using um, black foam pads and M205. And they couldn't get the finish right. And we started talking about short cycling and how much product you're using, how much it's cutting, and this, that, and everything else. And I had them show me exactly what they, we split a hood, we taped a hood in half, and they went and they compounded half of it, got rid of the defects. And then they went in with their 205 on black foam. And the guy's just going forever. To your phrase you like to use, Jason, he was making love to making the paint. Love to paint. Yeah, and I had, I had told him in the presentation earlier, if you back off on the amount of product and you short cycle. And I went in with the exact same mix of products that they had. And all I did was use less product, which Kevin and I have talked about at length on, on projects. And a very short cycle, exact same mix of everything they were using. And they looked at the paint. And they're looking at me like, it can't be that easy to solve right. this problem we've had right. for all this time. Like, you reminded me it, it of this be. thing when we it did with be. you in uh, Maryland or whatever, that training. And I remember I was working on it. I'm like, yeah, man, I know what I'm doing. I'm detailed. I'm going to show these kids how to do it. I was kind of like, yeah, I got this. And we're working on a paint. And I couldn't get it. I'm embarrassed off my butt. I'm like, what is going on? I can't. No, 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 no. Cool. I'm on YouTube. It's all good. I'm like, I know what's going on. <laughs> Kevin comes over and he's like, oh, yeah, sure. I'll look at him. And he took a new pad. He put it on there. He put like the tiniest little spot, a, a, a drop of whatever it was, 205, and did like, like a half little turn, like something where it looked like he had like a spasm. Like it didn't, it wasn't even like a full thing. <laughs> <laughs> and it came out perfect. And I looked, I was like, oh my god, I was so humbled right there. I was like, holy crap! Like I thought short cycling was like three passes. Kevin was like. Like that was it, and it was yeah. perfect. Like, like 20, 20 details you standing that? around me, looking Do you like that? They, they were just—they were stunned. They couldn't believe it. Yeah, it's crazy. And the like, other whoa. thing that isn't considered is paint swell. Yeah. Mm. Where guys will say, "Hey, Kevin, what kind of meter should I get?" I don't know if there's enough paint. I wonder how much I'm removing. And I said, "Well, you're never going to know with a meter. You can take that car and meter it in the garage, like Jason Rose did, 
and let's say it's 100 micron. Pull it out in the sun, measure it 30 minutes later, and it's 105 microns. Okay, think of that. Now you're gonna take a polisher with liquid and abrasive, create friction, twist that paint with the, with the machine motion, and you think it's not gonna expand and absorb mm -hmm. some of that. It's going to automatically be mm -hmm. uh, impacted and possibly even thicker. I just compounded that and didn't take anything off. That's great. That's not what happened. Yeah. And have you heard that before? I think some of the fundamentals I'm getting right now is I'm, yeah. trying, I'm always trying to boil it down. Hey, Jeff Glucker. I'm trying to boil down um, Hooniverse, man. Uh, some some uh, fundamentals here. Residue control and I guess the philosophy of you can't just like go, hey, we do 10 steps, then I touch my nose, then I drink a water, and then I do another 10 steps. Right. This way. You know what I mean? You have to actually look at the paint. And, and the longer you polish, the, the more potential you have of absorption and expansion. Right. right. So if you right. can do it in one pass, you you have less impact on that on paint, paint and see yeah. what's actually happening it's, versus uh, a week later. I, we can tell everybody here listening that it's okay to do one pass. If the paint comes out yes. great, like yes. you're good. Like pat on the back, everything is fine. You don't have to do 50 and then like, you know, it's all, it's all good. Doesn't right. feel right, but it's okay. Yes. <laughs> all right. So we have, um, we have about uh, 12 or 15 minutes next uh, left until uh, we're good to go. Um, I want to hit two topics of like give the people what they want kind of thing here. Um, and so we're, we're skipping a bunch of the other questions. But the two, the two things we're going to cover quickly in 15 minutes or whatever I said is, of course, ceramic coatings, yawn, and the qualification statements that I, I really want to uh, kind of dive in with, uh, with Dylan that we've talked about um, you know, on, uh, on your forums and podcasts and all your Facebook and stuff Everywhere. like that. Okay, so let's hop into, uh, hey, you want to do a quick change? We're going to hop in with uh, Mr. Fernandez. Yeah, i got to get back to the booth anyway. I appreciate you uh, hanging Thanks out with us. Thanks for having me, Larry. Of course. Derek Bemis. All right, Derek. Nice round of applause. Yay, Derek. Yeah. Now coming to the stage, the one, the only, Joe Fernandez. He doesn't have his headphones yet. We can talk about it. Yeah, we can. He can't hear anything we're saying. No, not a thing. Yes. He's not very funny, actually. No, so this should be quite boring. How are you doing, Joe? Oh, this is lovely. Yes. There's nothing like a hot and sweaty headset. Just after somebody using it. Yes. Well, thank you for having me on for the last minute. No no problem. Yeah. Yeah, we were just saying our goodbyes. Yeah, yes. I know. Nice uh, I haven't been on for a while. Last time we were, I was on, we did the podcast about the auto detailing uh, gym. Remember that? The gym. Remember that? You guys remember that? I know the yeah. listeners remember that. Yeah. And that's when Larry mentioned to us that uh, that being an auto detailer is one of the most physical uh, taxing things you can do to your body. I mean, how, right. you know, yeah. so that's what we talked about. Yeah. yeah. You wouldn't so, become a plus size model without working well, out like know, that. <laughs> I've been trying to lose weight for years and I find this I just to embrace it. Just own it. <laughs> just do it. Now, now, Larry says that detailing is going to be one of the taxing, one of the most taxing professions you can have. Sure. You know, so I got to thinking about that. And you know who I'm going to tell that to? That lady we have all seen in National Geographic magazine that's treading through the jungle pulling a water buffalo with a 10-gallon clay pot on her head. You know, she got a basket of chickens on her back. she got a dead cheetah over her shoulder for dinner. Wow. And she's breastfeeding. And she's breastfeeding. And, and, and barefooted. And she's Bare, barefooted. barefooted. You're going to tap, tap her on the shoulder and say, excuse me. Hey, I paused yeah. first. Wow. Hey, I did three details yesterday. <laughs> but you don't understand. Stop complaining. <laughs> oh, hey, that's 12 tires. Uh, <laughs> so... Thank you for helping with the math. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's funny. Oh, my God. Well. <laughs> so what were we talking oh, about? I don't know. I don't remember. Nobody She's even like, cares about like yeah. Everybody's trying to paint that image of this, this, this woman in National Mike. Geographic in their head. See, so. I know nothing about detail. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, when I, show, when I present a car when I'm finished, they go, it has swirls. I make them laugh and I get paid. And 
go home. <laughs> Joe, funny. detailing with a floor show, it's great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so on to ceramic coating so I don't get shot by the end of this thing. Does everyone want to? Wrap 10 minutes, five minutes? All right, we're doing it five minutes. So we're going to do a quick thing, ceramic coatings. Anything new and exciting? It seems like every five seconds is another ceramic coating coming out there. I'll tell you my opinions. You guys tell me mine. I think ceramic coatings are a great advancement in technology and wonderful, and I love new products, and I love testing things. I think the, uh, the, the area that causes the most confusion is it's not going to solve all your problems, what I call the magic pill syndrome. You're not just going to put it on, and everything is great, and you don't have to wash your car anymore. Does anybody disagree with that? No. No. Add some points to it, because I know I, I get a godzillion... Uh, email, hello. Uh, emails and texts about I can, coatings. I can Go ahead, Dylan. Please, somebody, your please. Next save question. me. The amount of bad information, and this yes. kind of leads into the, uh, the, yes. the qualification statements thing that you were hinting at earlier, but the amount of bad statements and un dis, you know, dis dishonest marketing. Yes. I mean, it's, yes. it's, not, it's not nuclear bomb I think bomb the problem proof. is like they're actually halfway decent. They, no, they, they okay. serve a purpose, but the purpose that they're like, you can't, it's called puffery in legal language. It's, you yeah. can't give it puffery. to it's, it's what it's called. It, it, it is, you it can't is. sell a coating on the premise that and if a, a nuclear bomb goes off, it's, cockroaches and your car you. will survive. That I mean, is it's correct. Just not, Thank you. Well, the very first thing I tell my clients is not a miracle product. We have to establish that right away. And yeah. uh, you've got to be completely honest with what it will do and what it won't do and just let and I get, I, my favorite thing is it's not going to get scratched. I think if you think a coating isn't going to get scratched, you have some problems. You're, you're, you're great. I, I would love to sell you something because right. it doesn't make any sense. So once it does get scratched, it's an absolute, in my opinion, nightmare to get out. Right. It's not all the stuff we just talked about. It's like you got to sand it. You got to, you know, wear. It's like a nightmare for me. Don't, that, don't, that's my thing. Don't tell me that your coating won't scratch, but then tell me that I can't clay it because clay will scratch it. Exactly. And then the funny part is, I'm so wrapped up about this, it gets me so annoyed sometimes. <laughs> is the clear bra? If you look at it from a logical perspective, if a clear bra is anywhere from eight to twelve uh, mils thick, yeah, you, know, you know, it's very, very thick. You can feel it. You got to put a key through it. All the crap that you see on, right? right? It's real. Right. And then a coating is. Uh, somebody help me here. One. A hundred. A hundred nanometers. And that's going to last longer than a piece of plastic that you're putting over your right. car. That because is, if you think about it from a logical perspective, that's illogical. Am I wrong? Yeah, it's, it's oh, a, it's going to last 100 years, but the clear bra people say it's only going to last five years. You're right. Like, what? But Larry, magic. It's ma Oh, it's magic. Okay. Wizardry. It's so, an witchcraft. art. It's, it's an, an art. art. <laughs> it's an art. It's a blend of wizardry and witchcraft. magic art. Yes, yes, yes. Really Black good. magic. Voodoo Anybody else have anything things. to say about what, that? Well, I, 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 sell my, I don't sell my coatings as uh, super scratch resistant. Right. I, se no. I sell them as hydrophobic. It'll increase the hydrophobic ability of your paint. I agree. Uh, it'll stay cleaner longer and it'll be easier to clean when it's time to clean it. I, I cannot agree with you more, and I want to leave this segment saying I am not poo-pooing coatings. Yeah, there's Just like over a hundred companies in this building that right, now that, right now that turned off the radio about right. five minutes ago. No, they, they were no. founded four weeks ago, but they did <laughs> five years of development. Those yeah. guys? Yeah. But I'll, I'll tell you something about coatings, though. Coatings has spoiled a lot of us in the auto detailing industry. You know, you can spend five hours detailing uh, a little Toyota Corolla with dog hair in it, yeah. or give it a quickie with coating and make a thousand bucks. And make a thousand bucks. Yeah, so, so like, I, I get the ec economics of it. I yeah. get everybody's making money. Let's just Let's be careful because I think when we have this podcast, when we're old and gray in five and seven years or whatever it is, we're going to have some problems, I think. I think when it finally hits the market, people start going like, what the hell? I thought this was supposed to last 10 years. And they realize all oh, there's scratches and things. And like, I'm not touching code. You know, I'm not going to repair that. You know how much it costs to repair a coating? I don't yeah. have time for that. Get out of here. I'd rather, I you know what I mean? Chase, Chase and I have traveled to Asia where coatings have developed years ago. Right. right? Many it's, years it's a mature ago, yeah. market there. And you and I have seen all kinds of cars with all kinds of problems with all kinds of different coatings on right. it. Right. Yeah. Which, which is okay.
okay and cool and great. Yeah. Everything's great. But I guess what I'm saying is, again, I have to keep emphasizing this so I can make it back to my hotel room without getting shot. They're awesome, <laughs> but there's well, issues with them as well, like anything else. A lot of the issues, though, and I know we need to kind of get going here, but it's not necessarily the coding companies that are making the claims. It's the detailers that are doing the installation. Yes. I, I was at a Cars and Coffee and I overheard two guys talking and one guy said, my detailer said that he could fix these scratches and then put a coating on and I'd never have to touch my car again. That, that, Come on. Yeah, right. you sent chills down my spine. And that was the detailer saying it was not the coating manufacturer saying that. Well, I think the coating manufacturer should probably step up a little bit too, I think. Like, hey, here's what, here's, here's here's what, what we're saying. Does, and and what if the detailer yeah. tells you something differently, then that's outside the realm of what we're, so there's, everybody sees what we're doing. I, I'm um, pulling rank here and saying we're changing topics because I feel Cool. I, I, wanna, I, I need to take a shower at this point. So, <laughs> Dylan, let's close out with something that we can leave positive with people here, but it's the qualification statement. So let's, let's I know it's not this necessarily the, positive, it, but. It's the perfect segue. Yes. Set it up for me and really knock it out. So yeah. I, I, I've written about this. I've talked about this in other I got a zillion videos, views. This, and this it's just qualify your statements. I, I don't do a drop and run, you know, and this is a symptom of the Internet and social media and things. You go into a discussion and go, ah, that stuff sucks, and then leave. You contributed nothing but oh, like, yeah. putting a turd yeah, on the not, table. You can't do that. Yeah. And so the, it's the same with the coding <laughs> things. You can't. You have to be able to qualify the statement. If you're going to go in there and say, hey, this stuff is bulletproof, you can actually fire a gun at it, and it will deflect bullets, you've got to qualify. You can't just, it's a drop and run. You can't do the drop and run. And it's I, more and more guys are doing it. It's, it's great to have an opinion, but have a qualification behind it. Say something with some meaning. Contribute something to a conversation. Don't just and then leave. Right. I do think that I, I, uh, even this year, I think the industry itself and the detailers, we, we are starting to, I don't want to say come together or have like music in the background, you know, like it. it Sing Kumbaya. Yeah. It, it, it is getting um, less abrasive, no pun intended, of like, this guy sucks or this guy's great and we're, you know, the team and where they're going to go around and where the, you get what I'm saying? There's a little bit more unity, I guess, I'm seeing. And I'm hoping that can sort of continue to grow. And I think part of the, re, you know, how to water that, so to speak, in this analogy, is to not do the drop and run things. Yeah. Like, it contribute, say, say your opinion, but guess what? Be respectful. Just because you have a computer screen in front of you doesn't mean, you know what I mean? You can't yeah. just, like, it's like driving a car. There's a great comedian thing, I'm never going to do it right, but basically, you're driving in your car, all of a sudden, you can say the nastiest things to the guy sitting right next to you, but if you were out of your car, like in an elevator, would you say that thing right to that guy's face? No, of course not. You have to have a 2,000-pound machine in between the right two of you. Between you. Yeah, a computer's worse. It's like yeah. a million-pound machine. You can say anything. So Something to hide behind, and, yes. and it doesn't require you to do anything, but well, you, I, you should require it of yourself. I think your opinion sucks. All right, I'm out of here, guys. Yes, <laughs> yes. All right, on that note, um, we got to wrap up. we got uh, some other people behind us, less important people, but not, you know, yeah. we got it. It's still got to be nice. <laughs> There's my drop and run right there. <laughs> and now time to run. Yes. That's a nice turd you left there. You like that yeah. turd on the table? Yeah. That's our thing. Hey, you put a turd on the table and you didn't clean it up. You just left the room. That's our, uh, that's, you got to give a qualifying statement. Anyways, um, a big uh, shout out to Magnaflow. A uh, huge thank you for um, letting us uh, do this cool thing on stage. And uh, big plugs to Joe Fernandez. Talk yeah. to me. Well, thank you. Thank you for giving me a minute. Hey. You know, that's all you need. When I'm at home, I gotta beg for a minute. Uh, you know. <laughs> but, but, Social media plug, something. What do you Social want? Social media. Uh, we're collecting bicycles for Christmas. Uh, bicycle blessings on Facebook. Uh, uh, Sixty bucks to buy a brand new bike. We give it away to underprivileged kids. That is awesome. Awesome. Right? Yeah. Thank say you. it again. What Thank is it? Bicycleblessings.com. Or uh, uh, it's on Facebook. It's not a website. Or okay. superiorshine.com. Look for me, and I'll point you in the right direction. Awesome. Appreciate that, Stoops. Yeah. Um, 
Thanks for having us here. It's this is a social blast. media plug. Yeah, Maguires.com, uh, Maguiresonline.com, the discussion forum. Of course, Maguires is on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, as am I. Excellent. Rupes Jason. <laughs> I'll, I'll take care of this, Jason. Don't you? Yeah, well, just let the market get <laughs> yes. handled. Yes. RupusUSA.com. RupusUSA.com. <laughs> all-new website for the U.S. is coming very soon. Awesome. Shortly after SEMA, we'll have a U.S.-based website for the company. Um, get out there and look at the hashtag on social media, on Instagram and Facebook. Hashtag the art of Bigfoot. We had 10 painters, customized tools for oh, SEMA yeah. this year. Uh, the money's going to charity. You can cast votes online by, uh, by just tagging the tool. Yeah. And uh, we're going to give $2,000 to the charity of choosing of the winning painter. Cool. And they look awesome, so check them out online. Yeah, and uh, big shout-out to all the guys who uh, painted tools for us. And if you want a Rupes polisher or other abrasives, you go to www.buffdaddy.com. On that note, go ahead, Jim, Thank uh, you. Kevin. That's it. You just said it. Buffdaddy.com. Boom. Yeah, go there. There's all kinds of good abrasive things. Support support your fellow detailers is what I have to say. Can we drop the mic, actually? Because I've been wanting to really drop I have to, the mic. I, I have to pay for that, so you oh, can, sorry. but then I have to pay for that. <laughs> I have to drop the whole headset. As always, uh, you can visit AmmoNYC.com. A huge thank you to uh, Shout Engine for putting this on. And again, MagnaFlow. As always, visit AmmoNYC.com or visit our YouTube page for more exciting how-to car care videos. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Yeah. Boop, boop. Hallelujah. Thank you. Ha, ha, ha.